Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. I'm glad to have you with us. Um, my name's Adam, one of the pastors here, and uh, so pumped uh, to be able to share with you today. You know, I fully believe with everything that's inside of me that God has set it up for you to be here today. Like you could have been anywhere in the world, but for somehow, for some reason, you're here. Maybe you're here with us in the room, maybe you're watching us online, but I believe that God's got something specific for you, and so I want to encourage you, because the only person who's going to stop you from leaving different than the way that you came is actually you. And so I encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit say, allow God, say, Father God, hey, listen, Lord, if you've got something for me, Lord, give me ears to hear it, give me eyes to see it. May I leave different than the way that I came? Because God's a real God. He knows exactly what you're going through. He's accessible, and he's here, and I'm so glad that you're here, too. You know, so this morning, um, we're going to actually build off of Pastor Andy's sermon last week. And so if you were here and you heard um, Pastor Andy's message at the beginning of Matthew 4, when we talked about the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, um, awesome. So reference that back in your mind right now. Um, if, you ha- if you weren't here last week or if you weren't here at all, I-, I encourage you to go back when you go home and uh, watch that sermon because this is kind of the part two. This is the what do you do after the wilderness. Like, what does Christianity look like after you go through the storm? And that's where we're going to pick up today. Um, If you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 4, verse 11. And I'm just going to recap that final sentence that Pastor Andy landed on last week. And it's these words. And I just love this portion of scripture. It says, then the devil left him. This is talking about Jesus. This is talking about him being in the wilderness. He had been tempted for 40 days, 40 nights, and eventually get to this point where where the devil leaves. And this is where I love it. This is where I just love this expression of God's accessibility. It says, and then the angels came and attended him. In other words, even Jesus leaned into the power of God for help. There's no bonus points for toughening it out. You don't get any bonus points for pretending that you're invincible and, and, and pretending that you, you, you never have a problem, <laughs> that you don't need God. God's not like, perfect, good. You don't need me. You figured life out. That's not how God works. Even Jesus leaned into God for help. See, in the wilderness, in the lonely, difficult, physically, emotionally, spiritually taxing season of those 40 days and 40 long nights, Jesus leaned into the Father. And then the angels come. They tend after him. He's feeling great. And we get to verse 12. Verse 12 says these words. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he then left for Judea and returned to Galilee. So you got to picture this, right? So, so here you got Jesus. He's being tempted for 40 days. He gets attended to by angels. And the next day he gets his phone call. Yo, Jesus, guess what? Your cousin's in jail. What? It goes from bad to worse. And how many times does that happen? Where, where it just life is very difficult. You finally get this breath of fresh air. And then boom, more garbage. Jesus experienced that. He knows exactly 
what you're going through. So what do you do with that, though? What do you do when you're just feeling taxed? You know, some people, they give up. Maybe this has been you in the past. Maybe you know somebody who's just been going through a really hard season, and they're just like, you know what? I'm throwing in the towel. I can't handle this anymore. Some people, they get hard, or they get really jaded, get really cynical. And you know what? To be a Christian, like you can be a fully functioning Christian and still be super hard, very jaded, and very cynical and not fun to be around at all. But it doesn't have to be that way. Some of you, you may have latched on to that as a part of your identity in this season. You're like, you know what? This is the new me. You know what? That's it. This is what you get. Friend, God's got something more for you. You don't need to settle there. Some people walk away from God when they're taxed. I mean, you, you may have felt it. You won't raise your hand and admit it maybe right now, but you've maybe felt it. <laughs> Why am I even doing this? What's the point? I'm done. But then there's some people, and what they do when pain comes, they, they actually turn to God. And, and pain is a very interesting subject for us as humans. Because God uses pain as a tool to awaken something inside of us. In the, the problem of pain, C.S. Lewis writes these words, and you've probably heard these quoted before. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts to us in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You see, what, is, what does he mean by this? You know, when life is going good and everything's coming together and everything's easy, like, it, it's harder to hear God. So it's almost as though God is kind of whispering to you. And it gets tougher to hear him. It says, it says he speaks to us in our conscience. And, and, and you and I were, were made in the, in the image of God. And God wove you together. And he, and, he, and he put these feelings of morality inside of you. And for some reason, sometimes you know this is good. And some reason, sometimes you know this is bad. And God placed those feelings inside of you. And God can use your, con- his, your conscience to speak to you because it aligns with his heart. But it says he shouts to us in our pains. And pain is God's megaphone at times to wake us up, to get our attention. The problem is the whole waking up piece, it's one thing for God to shake the side of the bed. But it's actually up to us whether or not we want to actually get out of bed or just go back to sleep. You see, think about childbirth as a metaphor for a moment. Pain's an interesting subject. When you think of childbirth, the idea of having a child is actually really easy. Anybody can think about having a child. Oh, it's easy to have a child. I remember before I had kids, I thought to myself, having a child, easy, no problem, right? The process, like the, the act of creating a child, well, that's pleasurable, and that's a totally different sermon for another day. But, but, birthing a child, delivering a child, There's something fascinating about the fact that in order for a child to experience life, pain happens. It's fascinating when you consider Jesus' ministry here on this earth. You know, you almost see this pattern in in, in the Bible, this pattern in the scriptures. 
You see, Jesus begins his ministry, but before he begins his ministry, he experiences the wilderness, right? Jesus calms the seas, he calms the winds, but before he does that, Jesus experiences the storm. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, but before he raises Lazarus from the dead, Jesus experiences a funeral. Jesus ascends into heaven, but before he ascends into heaven, he experiences the cross. You see, breakthrough comes after the battle. After the wilderness, after Jesus heard the news of his cousin being arrested, this is when his ministry actually starts. See, the Bible is relatively silent apart from his like baby birth years and his like young years. Then all of a sudden there's this gap and what on earth was Jesus doing there? It's not until after the wilderness that he starts to engage in public ministry. And I feel like we can learn from this pattern. Strategically, I'm encouraged by this phenomenon and this, this is why I'm encouraged because collectively all around this room, watching online, collectively each and every one of us, we're all walking through the pandemic right now. We've all got experienced our own pains, we've all experienced our own hurts, our own upsets, our own frustrations these past couple of years. Each one of us have been touched in some sort of way. Now imagine the accumulative and collective breakthrough that is ahead. As the church begins to catch her breath, friends, we're poised for a significant move of God. We're gonna see 29 people baptized today. What? In the middle of a pandemic, when churches are shutting down, the gospel's still moving forward? Yes, it is, ladies and gentlemen. But, 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 but how do we learn from what we've experienced? How do we live the type of life that Jesus lived after he exited the wilderness? I don't know about you, but I am so tired of plastic Christianity. I'm so tired of man-made spirituality, so tired of a relevant religion. I want to do the things that Jesus did. I want to see the things that Jesus saw. I want people to see the way that I live my life and notice something different, notice something supernatural. I want my kids to see the way that I live out my faith and be drawn closer to Jesus, be drawn closer to the church because of the way I exercise the things that I do. I want to live like Jesus did after the wilderness. The question, though, is how? What does that look like? And this is why Matthew chapter four, verse 23 is so fascinating to me. So in the beginning part of chapter four, Jesus experiences the wilderness. Then in verse 12, he gets this phone call. He didn't actually get a phone call. Phones weren't invented then. But he heard about, G- about, about John going to prison. He, he sends the troops. He's like, okay, that's it. Time, time to start preaching. Here we go, here we go, here we go. And he starts preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. 
He starts assembling his team, and he actually finds his first four disciples in this short piece of scripture. And then we find ourselves in verse 23. And in verse 23, we're introduced to his ministry strategy. So if you have your Bible, look at this. It says these words. It says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues. Now, at first glance, that actually sounds super boring. <laughs> but Jesus traveled, and he taught in the synagogues. The, the, the first thing he did when he started to engage in ministry is he started attending church gatherings and started showing people how to apply the scriptures to everyday, very real life. You see, honey, even Jesus went to church, right? Church is not our idea. It's not GT's method and plan. It's God's plan. It's God's idea. And in this season, I have met a growing number of Christians who've decided that they no longer need the church in order to live a, a healthy lifestyle as a believer. Friend, that's simply not true. It doesn't actually work like that. And you're only lying to yourself. You cannot love Jesus and hate his church. The two actually go hand in hand. The Bible describes the church as the body of Christ. Now imagine for a moment, if I were to cut my hand off and throw it on the stage over there, that, that hand would not continue living. It'd still be a hand, sure, it's still a hand, but it's not gonna grow. It's not gonna be able to move on its own. And inevitably it's gonna start to rot. Same principle happens if you think about it when the Bible talks about uh, the vine and the branches. You take the branch, or you take a branch and you cut it off the vine. The branch is still a branch, sure. You throw it on the ground though. It's not connected to the source. It's gonna start getting hard. It's certainly not gonna grow. Is it easier to be a branch not attached to the vine? Maybe it is. Is it easier to be a hand not attached to the body? Maybe it is. But do you still have life? No. You don't. You don't. The Bible describes the church as the, the, the bride of Christ. See, you, you cannot love one and hate the other. When it comes to marriage, you, you, you just, you cannot love one spouse and hate the other person. It, like, it's super awkward <laughs> if you do that. Like, imagine you and I are, like, good friends, like, good buddies. We're homies. We're, we're BFFs. And you're like, Adam, I love you. I'll go to the ends of the earth for you. I'm like, yeah, bro, we got this. Yeah. But your wife, Shandy, over there, I hate her. <laughs> Dude, we're not hanging out anymore. <laughs> like, it's awkward, Automatically, I'm not inviting you over for supper. Like, our, our, our relationship's gonna be weird because we're, we're a package. If you got a problem with her, you got a problem with me. And the church functions the same way. You can't actually exist as a Christian without the church. It doesn't work like that. We need church. So here we go. 
the first thing we need to do to start living life after the wilderness, we need to make church a priority in our calendar. Number two, verse 23, let's keep reading. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in the synagogues, and if you underline anything, underline this, and announcing the good news about the kingdom. He proclaimed the good news about the kingdom everywhere he went. The gospel. I remember when I first became a Christian, and I was 17, I remember hearing an old pastor say, son, listen, is the good news good news to you? There's a lot of weight in that question. Christian, listen up. Is the good news good news to you? Do you understand what the good news even is? What the gospel is? Can you articulate it? Have you accepted it for yourself? Beyond just the, I want to become a Christian, I want the gospel in that context, but is this something that you live out every day? Is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the gospel, the good news that comes through the, the, the message of Christ, is it so important to you, so impact, impactful to you, so life-changing that you actually want to tell people about it because you yourself have been transformed because of the, this good news of the kingdom. Like, why are you even a Christian? I remember sitting in Bible college and I was asked that question. And it rattled me because I never thought about it. Is it just because it's what you do on Sundays? What your parents do? Ask yourself. Why, 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 why do I do this? Why does being a Christian matter? You see, this thought should revolutionize the way you consider and live out your faith. If you take the good news out of your weekly routine, what do you, what do you have? There, there, there's no wonder God seems so angry and distant to you, if that's the case. Like, like, there's no wonder church is boring and unfulfilling and irrelevant if you don't understand the gospel. There's no wonder you question things when things get hard. There's no wonder you want to leave the church when things don't go your way. See, the kingdom of God changes and impacts and affects everything. Friend, listen to me, please. The good news of the kingdom changes everything, and it's when you forget that that your faith wavers and wanes. Look at the patterns. I bet you'll be able to draw a line. Second thing we need to do when we start living after the wilderness is we need to let the good news of the kingdom lead our life. It's like, wow, God is real. Okay, let's live this now. Number three, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news of the kingdom. And underline this last part. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Jesus healed people's hurts and diseases and modeled the practical heart of God. If I'm going to be completely honest with you, what I love most about Jesus, what I find most compelling about him, is that Jesus always centered himself around hurting people. He didn't avoid hurting people. 
He was drawn to them. He was drawn to them. Healing people's hurts is, is how he showed the world that his message was true. <laughs> Healing people's hurts is how, they sh- how, he, how he personified right in front of them the power of God. See, we're called to be healers. Dear Jesus, help us to be healers in today's world, both supernaturally and practically, both spiritually and physically, both emotionally and relationally. Let's be real, okay? I believe that our pathway forward is for us to look way more like a healing center than a rec center, right? Right? I believe our pathway as believers in this social media world that we live in is to look a lot more like healers than like critics. Critics don't change the world. They just annoy the world, (laughs) right? That's all they do. I wanna live the kind of Christianity that gives people a hand up versus a handout. And this pathway is very inconvenient. It's inefficient. It's slow. It's uncomfortable. It's unglamorous. But something about this pathway feels so much more Christ-like than simply accumulating Instagram followers or breaking attendance records. third thing we need to do to start living after the wilderness, friends, is we need to surround ourselves with hurting people and care for their wounds. I, I, I really hope you're encouraged today. We're gonna see 29 people get baptized. And they're doing this because they've, they've discovered that there's this God-shaped hole in their heart. And they want to stand before you and publicly declare that Jesus is real. Jesus has changed my life and I want to live for him for the rest of my days. It's inspiring. And friends, I know, I know this pandemic has been hard on you. No. I know that there's people in this room right now I know there's people watching online where where this particular season has dealt you some incredibly difficult blows. And you've taken some hits. You've taken some hits. Your heart hurts. And if you're honest, you don't know if you can even trust Christianity anymore. You're here out of kind of faithfulness, ironically. But on the inside, you're bleeding. Friends, this is called pandemic panic. And I'm here to tell you today that Jesus wants to calm you and he wants to lead you once again. He wants to bring you peace again. 
I'm here to kind of prophetically declare over you. Friend, it's time to rise up. The old is gone. The new has come. And the pathway through this pandemic comes in the form of surrender. You can't lead yourself out of this. You need to follow out of this. You need to follow Jesus. And you know this. You know this here. But the only way out of this, you need to know it here. You need to remember, oh yeah, I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. I'm God's son. I'm God's daughter. I've been set apart for such a time as this. In Christ, I have new life. In Christ, I'm a new creation. I don't need to live like society dictates. I don't need to do what everyone else does. I don't need to panic right now because Jesus is real and he's alive and he's in my heart. Friend, it's a new day. We start living, the way we start living now, now that we're out of the wilderness, looks like this. Number one, we make church a priority in our calendar. And you did that today. <laughs> you did that. So check. Well done. Good job online. I'm even counting you. You did that. You're, you're like halfway here. Right? You did that. Number two, we let the good news of the kingdom lead our life. We remember not just who we are, but whose we are. And we're God's. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth, and he holds you in his hands. You don't think he can't come through for you? You don't think he can't provide for you? You don't think your sickness, your disease, your illness, your addiction is too, too, too big for him to reach? He can do anything. And number three, we let God heal us so that we can go heal others. Some of you, you've almost taken on a new identity in the pandemic. Pandemic. You're hurt. You're broken. And such is your life. Well, God specializes in mosaics. God specializes in taking broken things and making them whole again. Would you bow your heads with me today? And would you close your eyes? If you're watching online, just bow your head and close your eyes wherever you're at. And if you would like to renew your commitment to Christ today, you want to you flip that page, turn a chapter, turn the leaf. Can I invite you to raise your hand real quick? Ah, thanks. Yeah, raise your hand. This is between you and God. There's literally hands everywhere in here. You may be raising your hand for the first time. You may be raising your hand for the first time in a long time. But today is that moment. Let's pray together. Jesus, 
collectively, we thank you that you're real. We thank you that you meet us where we're at. We thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. Jesus, where there is fear, would you replace that with hope? God, where there is uncertainty, would you replace that with confidence? Jesus, where there is hurts, would you replace that with your love? God, you are creating something new today. And Jesus, we come before you as broken vessels, saying, Jesus, use us. Speak to us. Wrap your arms around us. Because, Father, we need you. God, we love you. And we give you this moment. And everybody said, amen.